welcome back, Dan Hardy. Cheers, mate. Good to be back. <laughs> so, um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, the background of Hardy's and the business, and I got a lot of feedback. Guys are quite keen and and really interested in your take on business in general as well. So that was that was awesome. I think guys appreciated not just hearing from Dan Hardy in regards to Hardy Engineering, but just from a business person who's been successful in New Zealand, because those stories are good to hear as well. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I got a few emails as well. Um, yeah, which was really nice. Like like we sort of discussed, it's the first time that anyone's um, asked me that sort of question about the acumen side of the business. So I've got a few one-liners prepared to throw in there. <laughs> So tonight, though, I thought we would talk about what probably a lot of people might have thought the last show would have mainly been about, and that is your guns. <laughs> and the journey. And the journey, yeah. So I, I'm not a gunsmith, and I'm not, I, I've, I've worked with engineers, but I'm not an engineer, so you're probably going to have to put up with some pretty badly phrased questions, yeah. maybe, or just pr- understanding questions, but that's fine, that's when people, a lot of non-gunsmiths would admit it, they're, they're, we're all on the same boat, so it's my job to be that person. Yeah, fine. Um, but, yeah, I, we, we talked about last time, you always had the plan to to provide a firearm provider system um, and working towards that as well. Now, people at this point will know about the hybrid. Um, they should know about Project X by now. It's coming, you know, it's... Um, maybe one of the the least best kept secrets in the industry a few people knew about it and we're you know just like oh yeah it got can we get to, one of those <laughs> we actually um the first few project x's actually were in customers hands before before we released the rifle <laughs> before, before it existed yeah, yeah before before it existed yeah oh, right. which, is, which is good man you need feedback there's got to be that feedback like mm, absolutely um but if, if we go back one step, so we're going to talk about the, the hybrid first and then how the, the journey to Project X as well. But my understanding is, I never saw it, but this is not the first action that you've ever designed or built, is it? No. No, it's it's not. And it's, it's yeah, I, I, can, I, can, I could crack straight into one-liners now about that, actually, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll ease into it. Um, so what we did... It was more or less at the same time when we were um, developing barrels, or after we'd released the barrels, we went. Uh, we started to go down that that track, uh, like like we, we spoke about toward the end. There, where we were saying we were um, pushing the barrels and uh, building this um, uh, network, this um, distributed network, international distributor network, and um, we sort of went right. Let's let's um see how big we can go with this how many how much product can we get out there but um for people that know me will and and that they'll they'll sort of they'll understand that my my patience can be um a little thin so here we are trying to do this grow this big thing and um and and build this big uh distributed network and and, and sell all these barrels and um, at the time, we were working, and we still do, should I say, we, we were working with um, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, as a lot of exporters do, 
and we were discussing um, um, different bits and pieces and wh- where to next and, and all this sort of stuff. And I was talking to them about the frustrations of developing this distributed network and how we go about selling more product, getting more product out there. And it's the, the, penny, the penny sort of dropped. I said, well, the best way for us to sell a lot of barrels is to sell them to an OEM, you know, an original equipment manufacturer. So the likes of your larger gun makers, um, predominantly American-based, and supply them with barrels for their guns. I said it's incredibly challenging when you're based in New Zealand, um, you're not a third or fourth generation gun maker. So the easiest way to supply an OEM is to become the OEM. Right. And just yeah, make yeah. the damn guns yourself. Yep. So this, that's what that's what sort of led on to it. We, Like I said, these things were all in stages. We, we had a journey that we were following to reach our end goal. And I sort of realized that once we'd grown our distributed network and reached that, not its limit of, limit of exploitation, but toward hitting that, that, that sort of sales wall, that's when we said, okay, it's it's time that we look at considering the next step. Yeah. Um, so at that point in time, we said, okay, well, let's look at developing a rifle action. And back then when we did it, we, we didn't have enough expertise in the facility. We didn't have the capital to throw at it. So inadvertently, what we did was we produced a Remington clone, right? Which is fine, and there's a lot of Remington clones out there that are really successful. So on, so on, so on. Everyone knows about that. But after we did it, and we're 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 building guns and we're selling guns and all that good stuff, I just took a good old fashioned look inside and went, "This this is not hydraulic engineering." Why is it, how are we going to get picked up by some big brand, big distributor in the States or wherever selling a product that they can get on any shop corner? Mm. So I sort of, yeah, just we inadvertently, not long after we, I came to this realization that it certainly wasn't the direction that I wanted to go down, um, I shut the whole thing down. Yeah. You know, we had... We'd invested several hundred thousand dollars into um, plant, which we just I just sold sold it, got rid of it, um, and and that that was the end of that. So I mean, this is this is not a six month period period. Of no, time. no, no, it's yeah, yeah. You know, it, um, it's 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 considerably longer. But it, here we go. I've got a one liner. I've got a one liner <laughs> for you. So when we when when any um, person in business or um, us in that situation or um, someone who's potentially going to start a business, they, they can't, the old fear, fear and um, risk is always in their, in their head. And one of the big things that we fear is failure. And the word shouldn't really exist. It, it, by definition, it doesn't actually exist. Because if you set out to do something, fa- failure insinuates that you're not going to take anything away from the situation. 
Mm. You've gained nothing. But if you set out to achieve an objective of any description, you're either going to achieve it, happy days, or you're going to learn. Yep. No matter which way you skin it. And it's the same as making a decision. You make a good decision, you make a bad decision. The, the, the key to success is to making that decision. You're either going to achieve your objective or you're going to learn. Um, so that's that's why I'm always always encouraging people to push, put themselves out there and give it a go and and really have a have a crack because there is no such thing as failure. Um, so that's what that that sort of mentality gave is what give, gives me the confidence and gave me the confidence to just go. You know, this ain't me. I'm not happy. I'm not comfortable. Out. Um, yeah, that's kind of the end of that story. Yeah, well, no, that's that that nice book end. Okay, so then the next question, which almost sounds like, I mean, you you've learnt the lessons, but is there any of the um, DNA of that action in the in the hybrid or the Project X, or when the next time came around, it was time to start again, or not? I, I know lessons learned, but. Mm. Is there anything in there, or is it was it starting from scratch again? It, it was more or less starting from scratch completely again. Some of the um, features are kind of there, is in the the hybrid and Project X are kind of like a twin lug action in the general sense of the term. There's a lug on the left, there's lugs on the left, lugs on the right. This action was the same lug on the left, lug on the right. So not a three, not a tri lug or a quad. Um, so that remains the same, and that's oh, the, um, you use screws to hold it into the stock. <laughs> that that that's still there, made um, of metal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, the other the, the original Hardy action we built, we set the footprint for the trigger hanger as a as a Remington, so we could use Remington aftermarket triggers. We made we kept that because I mean, yeah, we're not. We didn't want to get into manufacturing our own triggers just yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that was the, the, not the danger, but yeah, if you went, everything was proprietary, sure, you tie everybody else into having to buy all your system, but there's a lot of triggers out there for Remingtons. People have their preferences for triggers, and suddenly, again, now you're not just making the action of the rifle, and it's the triggers, and it's all these other specialist bits as well that are, that are out there already. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're hugely consumer-focused as well, so... The worst thing that we could do would be to provide a, a, a like if you look at the Tika T3, how that trigger attaches, just with that single screw, wicked yeah. design and like so easy to incorporate into an action. Um, but it really does limit the choices that we can offer. So we offer the hybrid and the Project X with a uh, trigger tech yeah. special. So it's adjustable from one pound to three and a half pound. You know, it's it's black, so it fits in. It's an amazing trigger. And um, that's what I use in my guns, happy as. But like you said, you've got a lot of guys with preferences. You've got um, the more old school that guys who have um, you know shot high-end guns with the dual trigger system in them. So you still yep. get people wanting dual. Um, you get a lot of um, defense guys that are quite used to a two-stage trigger. Mm-hmm. And then you get a lot of a lot of the PRS guys, a lot of the comp shooters. Now we're we're seeing an influx more and more of those guys who want to go to a two stage trigger as well. That's Buddy yeah. Ian's influence to a degree, I reckon. Yeah, he's um he's gone full two stage. Um, 
so yeah, with that with that Remington trigger hanger footprint, we just we have more options. Yeah. Yep. So mm. okay, so you get to the point you're like, right, it's ready to it's time to have a look at this the 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 system again or the providing a rifle. Where do you start? I mean, you've you've got the barrels. Do you start? Is it based around the action then? Then the stock? Like, what's the design process? Do you yeah? Where's the where's the driver for it? So, um, the the start point is the action. Is we term it the heart of the firearm. Yep. So, for obvious reasons. Um, so that that's what we want to do. We want to develop the heart of the firearm, and we 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 understand after a bit of soul searching that the, the the product that we want to produce needs to be something that is the term that um you know your new zealand trade and enterprise and those other organizations that, that and callahan innovation group and that they like to use the the term disruptive yep um fantastic term so you can if, if especially for new zealanders you know we've got so many amazing innovative thinkers in this country and the ability to create product that is disruptive and we've done it for over the over the years and years and years so you make something so different so radical and so out of place in the market that when you throw it into the market it disrupts the market yeah so that's all that's ultimately the the design process it's got to be disruptive it has to be a disruptive product um hey we specialize in 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 that we've so like bring it on. So basically what we hmm. what we do from there is we just sort of get together pen and paper. What cool stuff can we try and stuff into this very small, technically engineered piece of equipment? So we come up with, with a list of the, you know, all of the sort of the coolest features and the trending features. And we actually did a survey um, that we threw out on our website and on social media. I think it was 2014. Um, or something like that. Run it with Survey Monkey and stuff, if that even still exists. And um, you know, and it was all the like, what do you guys want to see? What do you want to see? What are our, what do our consumers want to see from us? And if if we were to develop a rifle action, I think is what we said. And hypothetically, um, yeah. And it was just all the cool stuff, you know, integral Picatinny rail, integral recoil, like a spiral fluted bolt, um, a few other sort of basic you know more conventional features like that yeah. um free floating bolt head mm-hmm. uh, a few other bits and pieces and then we we kept a lot of the real nerdy stuff sort of close to our chest we didn't want to say oh yep. this is what we're gonna you know or, or, or um angle people into making choices based off our selection in the survey yeah um so then we sort of got a bit so we've got this market feedback of what people sort of roughly wanted to see and it was we had our we had our theories as well obviously we the stuff that we like because ultimately we're our we're, we're big consumers of our own product hmm. so the the whole um integral side of life is is just makes so much sense to me you know the less parts in a receiver that your scope touches and and what touches your stock that you know the better so integral picatinny rail integral recall like they were just absolute no-brainers um and initially when we started so, sorry to interrupt no, you but right. just also to explain to people mm. when you have those bits that are loose or move well they're not loose is not the right term but what's 
yeah, what's what's the the feature advantage benefit? We we understand. I understand you understand why you want that. But what does a person who's like, well, what difference does it make if I I bolt them on pretty tightly? I put those pick rails on tight. What's what's the issue? Yeah, I mean, and and you, you're dead right. I mean, a lot of guys will put their picatinny rail on um, nice and firm, and they'll use the right adhesives and um for an, a very very extended period of time everything will be absolutely fine but i i tell you one of the killers is that those adhesives they don't last forever they do have a shelf life in place they can degrade especially when you keep throwing the latest and greatest cleaning product mm. at them starts to degrade them the next thing you know you've got a hour-long quad bike you know, mission to get deeper into a block and that the, the slowly um, degradation of the um, adhesives followed up with consistent vibration, that can really work a, a well-mounted Picatinny rail loose. Um, so it, it's, it's still a fantastic system, but our feature, integral Picatinny rail, the benefit is peace of mind. Mm. you know yeah because this is a thing as well though it would suck but if something came and it has and there is great stories of certain things coming loose on my guns in the middle of competitions mm. um <clears throat> but it's a comp we can live with it i can get the kit out and i can fix it if you've if you're halfway through your potentially once in a lifetime trip down into fjordland or something like that and your gun your rail comes loose that's a bit of an issue and it's bound to finally happen the when you least want it to happen. So have them integrated, meaning that it's just basically the same piece of metal. Mm. It literally can't happen. It's no, one, it, it's one thing that cannot happen. It cannot happen. And if it, if you did manage to peel your Picatinny rail off the top of a hybrid <laughs> receiver, I think um, the hunting trip would be the least of your concerns by that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's for sure um and same sort of thing with the recoil lug you know recoil lug has a massive impact on how a rifle is bedded and free-floating recoil lugs like on some systems they can flex inside the receiver to a wee bit under recoil that may seem fine at the time they may seem firm and, and, and situation no change but over time and repeated recoil and you will see removable recoil lugs with burrs occurring where it is getting thinner at the top as opposed to the bottom not such an issue with a remington style one where it's sandwiched between the receiver face and the barrel they can't move um but we just eliminate both and as a result of that we end up we ended up with um yeah we're getting quite nerdy now um so that's right. I'll, I'll keep you within parameters, Dan. Yeah, just right, steer man. me. I, just steer me. If yeah. I start to sort of switch off and get into numbers, then just if you see the thousand yard stairs, my brain's just going. I'm oh, just like, hang on, well, yeah. yeah, it's all good. It's all good. But with the, with the hybrid, what, what, with the integral recoil, like you, you, the that length of your action can be can be longer and still fit into the same stock. I'm trying to explain this to us. So if you imagine a Remington action, and then you've got a big recoil lug on the end of it that's that's doing nothing but spinning you know sitting on your barrel to control recoil but if you incorporate that or make that um you know part of a monolithic receiver that is a that's your receiver's physically longer 
as a solid piece as it would be with the Remington being the two piece, the receiver and the recoil load. Yep. You, yeah. So then that means yeah. you've got extra length for thread for the barrel to screw into. Mm-hmm. You know, so you've got a longer Understood. tenon, barrel tenon. And I, I sort of explain it to people like this, and I'll go more into more detail as to how the hybrid's set up. But if you got, if you can imagine you've got a barrel that is uh, 20, 24 inches long and you held the chamber end of it with your two fingers and your thumb, it's going to feel heavy, right? Mm. It is going to put a lot of torque and a lot of pressure on your fingers. But if you hold it like that, and have that whole shank in there, all of a sudden you've got you you're, you're you've got a lot more of stability over that yep. barrel. Your your rifle action is going to respond just the same. So if you're hanging if your if your rifle action is hanging on to um, what is inside a Remington 17, 18 millimeters of thread compared to what is in a hybrid, which is actually a twin support system. Um, it makes a it, it makes a huge difference. So just in line with that, with the hybrid and the Project X, we're actually a receiver inside a receiver. Um, for those who are familiar with the system, um, we have a barrel extension that screws onto the back of the barrel, and that has your locking lugs inside it, and that slides in and out for the hybrid, and that is pressed and fixed in place for the Project X, or one similar. So when it, when we look at the barrel extension and the barrel, the tenon length is twenty five millimeters, and it's and it's large in diameter. This is man, I'm starting to go deep here, but I'll try right, and you're, all, you're all good. Yeah, you're all good. <laughs> so you've got you got. We're talking to guys who like looking at their kestrels and figuring out you know Coriolis effects and stuff. It's, it's all right, man. They'll be they'll be good. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we've got a twenty five millimeter thread going into this barrel extension. That is, and like I said, compared to a Remington, which is around 18 millimeters of thread, you're talking a huge amount of additional thread inside the barrel extension. But then we take it a step further and we actually slide that into the receiver. Okay. We slide 52 millimeters of barrel extension into the receiver. Yeah. So you've got an over, you've got an over length thread and then it's clamped by over two inches of, more, of material. So then you incorporate, you think about that, and then you think about the, the size of the barrel, the diameter of the barrel over the chamber. So our thread is larger than, you know, I use Remington because that's often considered a bit of an industry standard for a full-sized yeah. action. Our thread is larger than a, a Remington, and it's finer. So being finer plays a role as well because the root diameter of the thread is further away from your chamber if you run a finer thread. Okay. Yep. You know, coarser thread, the, the, the thread pitches deeper. Ours is little and fine, so it stays further away from the chamber. So coarse threads and big chambers like your Lapuas and your Normas, you reach pressure early. Mm-hmm. So we stay miles away from that chamber. We are a huge amount of thread, and then we shroud it with the receiver. So we've, we've got a, hu- a huge amount of barrel um, supported by the receiver. So things like that are some of the reasons why the hybrids shoot so ridiculously well and they make life easy mm-hmm. for the consumer. Um, now, the next question is how do we get, if you, if you, if you get a, like a, a hybrid that is um, 
um, you know, more or or project X, sort of like a hunting setup, so like a light, the lightweight version, so carbon barrel, carbon stock, so on. That, that bear gun six and a half pounds, which is the same weight as a Tika T3X since um, stainless okay. synthetic, thin little barrel, small receiver, plastic stock. Yep. So I've just said that our tenon thread is larger than a Remington. A Tika is considerably smaller. They run a, a, a barrel diameter, an outer major diameter of 29 mil. Our thread is 30, you know, is, okay. is bigger than that. Yep. So our thread alone. So our barrel is considerably fatter. So where is the weight difference? Where is that? How how do we make the hybrid so damn light? And it comes down to the receiver itself. And that was another design aspect that we discussed when we were talking about creating a disruptive product. So before we get into the material specification for that, we decided, okay, we want to make the receiver really, really light. And we need to ask ourselves, how do we achieve this? So first of all, lightweight materials are typically considered softer and not suitable for firearms due to the heat pressure so on and so on that's yep. you know firing firing forces that are involved so okay well how do we mitigate that and make a lightweight action so it's relatively straightforward and i've already mentioned it and it goes by way of the barrel extension so all your firing forces are controlled by the bolt head and barrel extension not by the receiver we're in a conventional bolt gun the bolt head locks into the receiver and then all yep. the force is between your chamber and bolt head, which then presses into the receiver. Where our, the hybrid in the Project X doesn't do that. Everything's controlled with the bolt head and barrel extension. So we no longer have any firing forces in regards to bolt thrust being applied to the receiver itself. So we've taken care of that. That. The next consideration is what's called primary extraction. So primary extraction, when you as you lift your bolt through its 90 degrees or 60 degrees of lift, there's opposing faces on the top of the bolt handle and the receiver, and when those two faces contact, it jolts the cartridge back from the chamber, and it just yep. breaks, that, breaks that initial seal. It's usually done in the last sort of 5 to 10 degrees of bolt lift, quite a violent um, bashing together of cams that create a good hard um, amount of force, good firm but a bit of force to break that seal. So then if you've got a, a lighter weight material for your receiver, you cannot have this hardened steel bolt handle section bashing, bashing against such a dissimilar metal because you'll get yep. the metal on metal contact, it'll just wear out. So that's and that was the other consideration. So we thought, well, how 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 are we going to achieve this? And that's when that's when it got when it became a serious challenge, serious challenge. So all the stuff we could sort of nut out and work out, and we were relatively comfortable with what it is that we were talking about doing until it until it came to primary extraction on a um, lightweight um, action material. So there are there are lots of ways of doing it, and one of them is to put a hardened insert into the receiver, so you maintain yep. those two cam faces that are nice and hard. And I was just I, I don't know that didn't really sit well with me. And again, we were trying to make something truly disruptive. So what we what 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 I did was 
while thinking about all this sort of stuff, and I had this idea rolling around in my head for a while. When you look at some of the real early artillery guns, mm-hmm. the breech block, the breech ring, um, threaded in. So they yep. put a big, you know, 100, 100 and whatever millimeter shell inside the breech. The breech block rotates in place. Uh, cartridge is detonated, unlock, swing open, so on, so on. Yep. So then the go there is that particular thread is known as a buttress thread. And it's it's a very, it's a really, really old thread. You hardly hear about it, see about it. It has l- pretty much no applications in modern day engineering anymore. Um, it may be, um, someone out there may know from the oil and gas industry, maybe there's a little bit of an application there. Um but yeah, next to next to nothing because it, what it's designed to do is to have a huge amount of pressure on one in one direction. Okay, yep. to take a huge amount of pressure in one direction only, and no pressure in the other. Um, so you've you've got you can imagine it's almost a flat thread on 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 one half and then an angled thread on the top half okay. instead yep. of two instead of a peak. It's more yeah. like yep, that. gotcha, yeah, yep. Um, I hope you enjoyed my interpretive dance on buttress threads. Um, so that that's what we looked at doing. So what what and what you get with the buttress thread is that those nice flat shoulders and faces that contact each other to take a huge amount of force. That's literally what it's designed for. But of course, it's a it's still a thread. Mm. So then, as you lift the bolt, you're actually unscrewing the breech just the same as on the artillery guns. Gotcha. And that unscrewing motion gives you primary extraction. No cams bashing together, no violence. You've got, and you're also spreading your primary extraction forces out from as soon as you start lifting that mm. bolt, that bolt's coming back. It's 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 spread out throughout the entire 90 degrees of bolt lift. So it's a much, much gentler, and you have a lot more mechanical advantage as far as um horsepower goes. Yep lifting it so you you don't feel the you know if you get a tight case um you lift your bolt up and you some people are smacking away at it and th- this gives you a much more gentle mechanical advantage um as a as a flip does it mean you just need to be aware of potential pressure signs for guys reloading because it extracts so well you've lost a sticky bolt lift I know it's a strange, yeah. it's just a thought that passed through my, having had to deal with sticky bolt lifts where you have a trouble getting the bolt open and at least then I know that I've way put far too much powder in the case essentially. Sorry, it's a weird diversion. I realize just how my brain works, but it's like your your good engineering solution has almost meant that, yeah, it's, we just need to be aware of other pressure signs if guys are loading for a hybrid, I guess. Yeah, project and, and you're dead right and that that 100% is, is the case. I mean, you get the, the, the telltale um, extractor marks on the brass yeah. and ejector marks, you know, first yeah. the ejector marks. And we've had we've had them um, some of the lower quality brass that's floating around. We've had it to the point where we've lifted the bolt handle up and it's pulled the cartridge back. But because the brass has expanded so far past its elastic mm. limit, it literally just expands into <laughs> the clearance that we've given it by lifting the bolt. And you still yeah. can't get the damn thing back, you know. Yeah. So we've we've loaded them right up, right up yeah. to that point. 
Um, we've loaded them up to the point where they're still extracting nicely, but the primer falls out when they land on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you do need to be careful with your reloading. Um, but anyone that's thinking about taking on reloading should be following the rules, doing it Of sensibly. course, of course. And, and the bolt yeah. lift is not the only sign you should be looking for as well, but it's, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All that good stuff. So um, that, yeah, so that way now you get to keep it. You don't have to put a different, um, not a dissimilar, but you don't have to put a harder metal in with that interface or anything. You can keep it all as one one piece, essentially, or less less different components going into it as well. Which yeah. so, how then though are you getting it so light? So that that comes down to so, that 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 large piece of material being the receiver. Yeah, and and for the most part. You well for most conventional action designs, the reason they're made out of a heavy, high tensile material is just for those locking lugs up the front and that tiny yeah, little okay. primer extraction cam. All the rest is completely unnecessary. So with the hybrid and the project X, we've eliminated the need for high for the high pressure mm-hmm. firing forces area. We've eliminated the need for the primer extraction cams. So what we want the receiver to actually do now is have them have have it accept a magazine and have something to stick your scope on and yeah more or less that's it mm. so then we can completely we can look at all sorts of materials in theory we could make it out of plastic um but we would everyone if a 3d printer's just got all wibbly on yeah it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, because I mean, it's a non consequential part anymore. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. there would well, be some. Not an, yeah, I mean, you're still, it's alignment between scope and everything else. But yes. yeah, it, but, but I get your point. You suddenly don't need to have the, the hardest material on earth mm. and potentially the heaviest as well. Yeah. So, so the material yeah. that we selected, and it's one that we've got a huge amount of experience with, is um, an aluminium alloy called 7075T6. So it's a 7500 series. Um, aluminum or aluminium, um, predominantly prolific in the aircraft grade. Um, we, we import it from Germany, and that that that's that. It starts off life as three meter long, sixty five millimeter big, big ass billet, and um, then gets whittled away to a mere shadow of its former self. <laughs> self, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that material has a specific gravity of. Um, if I'm going to get my math right here, I might have dug myself a hole, but I think it's something like right. 2.77 grams per cubic centimeter, where steel is about 8.8. So you know that those two figures are grossly different. So you can see that there's a huge sure. amount of um, huge amount of difference in weight. Um, so yeah, it's a lot lighter. So there mm. you go. You've got this the the barrel at the business end over the chamber is full size. So it's a full, what we, the industry standard is that inch and a quarter, um, inch and a quarter barrel, shank, diameter. Um, yet the rifle still only weighs six and a half pounds if you wanted to. Yep. So that that's huge for us because that people underestimate the importance of that full size barrel over the chamber. That's where it's important. All of that mm. pressure and all of that, um force that goes into your when you when the, the 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 pressure when you reach that pressure spike or that pressure peak in your chamber that sets up 
all sorts of weird and wonderful traveling nodes that travel through your barrel and the bigger and badder your chamber end is the better it is for accuracy and the easier it is to tune and the larger your um the easier it is to find accuracy nodes inside the barrel mm. that's a hot internal ballistics is something that i'm really passionate about but we're not sure. going there yeah yeah part three part four part 12 with internal <laughs> ballistics with dan yeah <laughs> one thing to go back to because it's the it's uh um flavor of the year or whatever it was did did titanium come into it when you were looking at potential materials for it because i know there's a few super lightweight actions out there with it that you know it's like titanium it's, it's space materials it's the unobtainium mm. um uh, yeah, was was it a consideration, or what was the what was the thought process behind that? Yeah, I mean, titanium is a fantastic metal. It's it's incredibly incredibly strong. This is this is where people get 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 titanium mixed up. Titanium is incredibly incredibly strong for its weight. Okay. Yep. But it's not incredibly incredibly strong. Full stop. It's also got a few really really nasty habits. Um, when it comes to machining it, for example, it's extremely challenging to machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's inherently expensive. And the biggest issue as far as rifle actions go is galling. So what it does, is it's, it's, it's a really sticky material. So if you've got okay. yep. um, materials pressure on pressure, such as a rifle action, then you lift that bolt, that sliding force tends to has a has a, 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 a it can really easily gall um so a lot of action manufacturers that are using titanium recommend use uh putting um like a really high pressure molybendium or something like that grease on the locking lugs just to make sure that things don't gall um so yeah that that that's a that's a massive design consideration these specific gravity numbers have really gotten into my head so i'm going to go right ahead and look them up <laughs> as we talk someone someone will probably if you got it wrong someone's going to email or message both of us you know dan actually got that number wrong in the fifth decimal place and you know (laughs) it's not bad off the top of my head because aluminium better of them yeah (laughs) aluminium is correct 2.7 2.69 2.73 somewhere around there and what did i say the other one we'll just put in steel 7.85 up to eight I'll be happy. I'm happy with that off the top of yeah, the head. That works. That works. You've you've passed that test. Yeah, that's good. Nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah. So then we've we've got we've got all these weird and wonderful ideas. That that that, <laughs> that this is this is how we start designing something. A, yeah. a very long way of saying that we just write them all down, all the weird yep. and wonderful things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what else did we put in there? We, it, did, so, did you? Sorry. Did Did you start? Initially, with the idea of a hybrid, like a switch barrel, was that always the intent, or was that one of the things? Like, was that something that people suggested, or was it something you already went? You know what? I'd like to do a switch barrel. It it was. It was on the cards, and we discussed it as a feature, but we didn't take it. To be honest, we didn't take it hugely seriously. It was something that it was like, mm, yep. I'm not too concerned about that. We're sort of more thinking about some of the more complex matters. But we made the decision pretty quickly to go, no, we're 100% incorporating the switch gun design into it because of Mm. um, firearm sales in Europe. 
because yeah. in some countries, countries, instances, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you're only allowed to own a certain number of guns, but you can own unlimited barrels. Yeah. So well, that was yeah. People, people in New Zealand, people overseas listening to us will appreciate that. People in New Zealand may not appreciate that things. Yeah, without naming the name, but yeah, that's exactly it. You've got the one gun. You own the one gun, but you can switch the 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 barrels out. I mean, other countries, every single barrel with a serial number on it gets registered to your name as well, or yeah. every single suppressor. The laws are different, and yeah, you thinking of an international market, you've got to think about that as well. Mm. But for me, you know, I while in New Zealand, I don't have that as an issue. I've always liked the idea of the one set of ergonomics and the one trigger and the one everything else. So I didn't, when I first heard of the switch barrel systems, I was like, that's why it appealed to me. And it was only later I found out talking to some guys overseas, they're like, yeah, but the, it's also a law thing for us yeah. as well. So, yeah. But, but the reason I was asking, because it also ties in nicely with your shroud system. And, was that a result of that? That's a result of deciding to have a switch barrel, or did you come up with the shroud idea and then that worked nicely into the switch barrel? Yeah, we came up with the shroud idea first. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. the barrel extension. Yep. So the lightweight receiver, yep. barrel extension, that design, and then then it was like, okay, how? What's the best way to incorporate this into a switch barrel thing? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. That, that that it came about, and we were at a you know early early stages of design, so it was you know a, a, a very easy addition hmm. or, or final decision um so that was sort of the primary driver behind it or well, the initial decision made behind it because we're no different than our clients out there when it comes to this gun it, it takes a while to get your head around the value that you gain from having a switch gun yeah. especially the guys who who are really active shooters you sort of don't get you sort of don't understand its um possibilities until you start going oh yeah oh yeah oh now this so it's it is really awesome so we we say um and we always market it always market it as a you know you can shoot competitions you can go hunting you know heavy steel barrel if you want to you know 6.5 creedmoor yeah shoot a prs type event switch it to a surrounded short magnum or whatever and go hunting. But it's so much more than that. So the guys who are really serious into their long range or really serious into their competition or just do a heap of shooting or do a heap of pest control, whatever your system is, you just bung a two to three barrel into it and then you've got very cost-effective pest control, very cost-effective training. And, you know, so that's, that, that's, an, that's an amazing feature. And it's just like you said, is that, you know, beware of the man with only one gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same optic to look through, same trigger to press, same bolt manipulation, same stock to hold, same bipod to lay behind and, you know, all, all that good stuff. And then you go, well, you know, I'm a, I shoot six millimeter Creedmoor, you know, uh, for competitions or whatever. Oh, I'm, at, I'm up to um, a thousand rounds through my barrel. Next season, I want a new barrel. No worries. Okay, I'm going to buy the new barrel now. I'm going to mm. do my load development, and then I'm going to put that barrel away. Now I'm going to yep. put, just chuck my other one in that's flogged. I'm going to do a whole bunch of training with that, burn it out completely, no downtime, pull the barrel out, bung it in, and carry mm. on. Um, because when you're, when you're talking about the narrow downtime, that's also just to be 
I'm pretty sure this is the case. So you were able to send out a replacement barrel without having to have the gun back to fit for it. So that means for, so guys understand this, normally when you get a barrel switched out, well, you have to send the barrel off to the gunsmith, which mm. even at the best of times means it's going to be away for weeks, if not a few months, just as it is right now, you know. So yeah, th- none of that exists. You basically get the new barrel that turns up in the mail. And like you say, at the point where you're ready to swap over, well, that's it. It's done. It's ready. It's just, it's a, it's the, the, it's the when people talk about this idea of a prefit barrel, well, that's the perfect prefit barrel because it's <laughs> it just is. It's good. It's going to be just a straight switchover. Yeah, and you do it all yourself. No headspace gauges. Yeah, nothing. Um, and you literally can't get it wrong. If you get your bolt in and it closes, you've done it right. Yeah, you can get it wrong. Like the first time I came across one, and I think I was trying to switch the barrels off without opening or closing the bolt. I forget I forget which way it was, but yeah, and this is the old, let's have a look at a new system, not even think of reading the manual and it's not working. Oh no, we then, don't have time for that nonsense. No, no time. Yeah. <laughs> How much have we invested into the system, but I don't have time to read a manual. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know better than that. But yeah, I was saying, and we're like, what's, what's going on here? And then, yeah, I, whichever way it was, I think you fed back to the customers like, yeah, you idiots, you need to either open the bolt, close the bolt, whatever it is. And, and the guy's like, yeah, and it works perfectly. So it's like... Okie dokie. Yeah, cool. Sweet. Yeah, we would have been far more diplomatic than idiots. <laughs> we would have depends only insinuated. The cu- depends who the customer was and how you know him, I suppose. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing that are, that's that's really cool that is getting utilized quite a bit now is that, you know, a guy says, well, I, I, I hunt with a 6.5 PRC and I want to shoot competitions with a 6mm Creedmoor. Fantastic. Crack on. Now I want to shoot the one a one mile challenge, mm. and I want to I want a three hundred norma, yep, or, or something like that. Um, you know what am, what am I going to do? Do I need to get a new gun, or, or let's talk about building? I'm just like, well, just pump the brakes for a second. Do you need to magazine fed a three hundred norma when you're trying to shoot steel mm. at a mile? You know, some people may disagree, but I don't think you really are going to be <laughs> racking that bolt so fast. Yeah. So buy a 300 normal barrel kit without the magazine. Put your, gotcha. put the barrel just goes straight in. The bolt just goes straight on. Situation, no change. Use one of your existing short action magazines as a single load platform or buy a single load platform and yep. run 300 normal in it. It ejects the empty. Doesn't eject alive. You got to you know pull the bolt out because it is a long cartridge. But mm. you can use the same gun again. You don't need any. Don't need to buy a new optic. You don't need to buy a new gun. You run the same thing and run a long action caliber and a short action gun. Switch it over yourself. Mm. So it's got a huge amount of versatility from that perspective as well. Um, so how how cool. big? Because you're not. I'm pretty sure you can't fit a fifty in there. But how big no. can you go onto it? The three hundred normal and the three threat lapo. That's our top end. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but man. I suppose once if somebody's serious about a Shaytac or that that territory where they're wanting yeah small artillery, it's a it's a different proposition again. But a three hundred normas in there, with the understanding yeah. So what, how big can you go then where you still want a magazine feed? Because you're right, I I would agree for ELR or that long range stuff. You've got time because you're waiting to hear where the last one went. The only the only ex- exception to that is a trick shot, maybe where you want two shots on the plate before you hear the first one yeah. land or something like that, which, hey, yeah, the hero some shot. of us want to do that. Yeah, the hero shot. But 
for people who do want a mag, what what are we limited to uh, when it, when it comes to a mag? Is it a, a long action or short? What's the yeah? That that'll be that. If you wanted to go as long as long, then yeah, our long action is three point eight five zero. Yep. Okay. So that full length commercially available magazine size, you know, the CIP version of the three three eight LARP or three point eight five zero. So that's the big boy. Yeah. Um, okay. Same with our same sort of rule applies with our short action. It's the longest available short action magazine that goes into that. So you can fit, um, you know, the six point five Creedmoor sort of being the longest cartridge, that's six point five PRC rather yeah, being the longest yeah. short action cartridge. You can magazine feed that. Um, no worries at all. Um, yep. So yeah, we we stretch it right out. Which. I mean, a firearm that can go everything from a, a 223 or a 22 variant all the way up to a 6.5 PRC covers you for, actually covers you for pretty much anything hunting in New Zealand without, it really does. We don't, we don't have a lot of elephants kicking through the bush. Or, very few, you know, very few elephants yeah. around. And if you're really, again, if you're really debating shooting stuff at a kilometer bigger, it's a different, it's a different thing as well, which, you know, each to their own. But I mean, mm. a 6.5 PRC, yeah. Yeah, that's gonna knock most things down. So, mm. Mm. um, so sort of at this point, we had all these fantastic ideas, which is now you gotta make it. Now you gotta, <laughs> yeah. So the design for manufacture, it's called design for manufacture. So you design it with the purpose in mind of actually being able to produce it. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of it was relatively straightforward. We had a lot of learnings from our previous action venture that we could apply to this so we could um, shortcut some processes. We understood how to do a fair wedge, which was really helpful, but throwing so many features into one system was extremely challenging. It's just, there's just so much going on in such a small space and the primary challenge came around um, the buttress thread bolt head design. Mm. You know, incredibly complicated to machine. The bolt head and the um, internal thread on the barrel extension, incredibly complicated to machine. And the physics that go with it under firing pressures, so coming up with a mechanical safety, um, fail safes and bits and pieces like that. And we... We sort of coined this, we coined more rules as a result of the development of this project. So you've got to remember, this is six years ago we started this project, six mm. or seven years ago. So um, relatively young in the, in the company's career, uh, company's existence, especially for the really te technically um, advanced stuff. So every day you're coming up against brick wall after brick wall after brick wall, after, if not multiple per day. And we were told by some of the, you know, industry, like really leading industry, um, CNC operators, programmers and all that, that basically saying this component is not machinable. You're going to have to 3D print it. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm never one to shy from a challenger. And I, you know, where there's a, where there's a will, there's definitely a way. So we, we really got after it. And, of course, we, we achieved our goal, which is great. But you know, coming up up against these these brick walls and these these challenges, or what were termed 
problems back then, um, multiple per day, you know, and we just the, the, the amount of um, money and resource that we threw into this was just, you know, I, yeah, I'd hate to think. And I, and I, I look at it now and I say, if I had to, if I knew what it would take <laughs> out of me to achieve, it would be a very, very hard decision to do it. Yeah. Hard decision to, to, to go through it and do it again. Um, and I don't think that unless you're a really technically minded engineer and you've had a really close look at this gear, um, no one will appreciate what goes into mm. each gun and the, the everything that's gone into it over the years. But anyway, we coined this rule, one of these rules that um, very much the same sort of thing that I, how I mentioned about our attitude toward the term failure. And it's that the term that I spoke about failure and this one that really underpin, um, you know, our culture of innovation and product evolution. So when you look at um, the word problem, we're coming up against problems. The definition of problem is that it's it's something unwelcome and that it's something harmful. Mm-hmm. So then, if you've got if you develop if you throw on like so much of your heart and soul into something, and then like several times a day, you've got one engineer, another engineer, development guy saying problem, 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 problem. can't do problem. You're getting yeah, yeah, can't do impossible. Da 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 da. Just bombarded you. You know, it's incredible incredibly draining incredibly um hard to deal with losing a huge amount of sleep my grays were just coming through i was you know rich head of hair before before this no no gray hairs um, no no facial hair no know, facial hair this is just last night's growth actually um uh, Since Project X was released, it's all just come back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all come. Somebody it's asked me if out. I started growing this again during the lockdown, the recent lockdown. I'm like, I don't. You've never tried to grow facial hair. This is not anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we, we we this phrase. So then we this problem, problem, problem. And you know, I start. So I'm, I'm looking at this at this whole what it is that we're trying to achieve. And going, you know, deep inside myself and all this sort of good, you know, exciting um, terms that we hear on American TV. And what we did and what I did was take the term and then change the way that I perceived it and how I looked at it. So the word problem, unwelcome and harmful, is banned from our facility. Yeah. Um, no one comes to me and says, I've got a problem at work. No one. And the term we use now is challenge. Mm-hmm. I've come across a challenge because the word challenge is presents and gives us the feeling of opportunity. Yep. It gives us the thought that we can add more value for our consumer we can increase the quality. It, it brings up all of these good feelings. So that was it. Problem banned. Mm. There are no more problems. And the other thing, like the word problem, to me, I've, I've always felt that a, a problem is something that you either can fix or maybe you can't fix. 
Yeah. And yeah. we can and we will fix it. So they're not they're not problems. The word doesn't exist. So we changed our whole thinking. It's it's it became it's all around challenge. And we still face challenges. All businesses face challenges and all aspects of business. Um, but we don't face problems anymore. Mm. So that but, was but that that language. Yeah, language is very important. People can sometimes be flippant about it, but you there are so many issues um, caused in the world by the misuse of language, and it's not it's unfair or unrealistic to think we're immune to it ourselves, even in the way we talk to ourselves. Hmm. So that that's very true. That simple and it's brilliant. That simple change of the word problem to challenge. You're right. The connotations that come with it are very very different. And while some people are like, oh, well, that's it's kind of gimmicky to ban those words, but it's like, no, if you if you get into that habit of catching yourself every time you say something, I've got a little girl that occasionally calls herself stupid at the moment. I don't know where she's picked it up, but it's mm. like, no, one, you're five, so you don't you can't do all the things that dad or the grown-ups around you can do. That's not it, but you can learn. It's an opportunity to learn. It's mm. but please don't call yourself that because you're not, it's, that's just, that's definitely not what the case is. But, um, but yeah, another good example as well from our last conversation of how you create a good culture. Um, yeah. And yeah, we could probably all ban a few words in our own lives if we actually stopped and thought about it. Yeah. And, and that, you know, these, these, you know, phrases are, are hugely important to our mm. company culture as well. Um, so, so, yeah. so when when you're doing this development, is this are you doing prototyping at this stage, or are you still doing everything in CAD design? You're actually prototyping because th things have changed these days. And I suppose when you were doing that, were you 3D printing, or were you like engineer? You were you, yeah, you're actually printing at that point because yeah, we were, there was we were a printing. time. The time before printers was was even. It was a yeah, dark that, time. It was yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um i tell you man that you know we we so we we come up with these amazing ideas wicked um we generated cad uh computer-aided design so 3d models on the computer of each component and we're like look at this thing it's this and it's that and it's credible and it's disruptive and we're all you know everyone's jacked up and all this and then um so we're like right let's let's print them and we print the bolt handle and that threads into the cocking cam. Then we thread, you know, print the bolt body and we dovetail that and then we bolt head, receive a barrel extension, everything. We've got this fully printed, completely cyclable action. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is shit. <laughs> you know, like it was unbelievable how you could look at a model and just go, oh, perfection. But then yeah. when you held it in your hand, I'm like, there's a sharp edge here, you know, that doesn't look right. That taper at the back's mm. too short. You know, there needs to be a notch there. When you lift that, that needs to look nicer there, you know, and it was just all these little cosmetic things fell straight out of it. Um, the fit and feel of it. I know it's, you know, you're talking plastic components, but you could, things just didn't, it didn't feel right, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and this, so we, you know, and like you say, the, the time before printers, really did um, limit how your, your development speed. Mm. Um, and that was something that was really remarkable because we never, you know, we never sort of really, I guess we didn't really truly appreciate the power of it until yep. you took something so big and complex 
printed it and so many things and development and evolutionary um, sort of features fell out of the result mm. of printing it. So, um, yeah, love the 3D printer. Love it. I mean, love it, it, it's love not it. to say, yeah, it's not to say there's no co- there's still cost involved with setting that up and and everything, but certainly the ability to start printing and prototyping stuff relatively cheaper and quicker, mm. but you do probably more iterations of it as a result anyway. So, I don't know if it it, it makes each iteration maybe quicker, but you do more of them. Absolutely. You yeah. know, it's. Uh, yeah it's it's like reloading you don't save money but you do get to shoot more is almost the theory yeah yeah <laughs> which i still don't think actually the economics are quite right on that either but it's it, anyway if you think about your own time yeah no 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 no, no. never cal- never include your own time yeah. in those calculations yeah, turn the phone yeah. upside down yeah i um, did that spreadsheet once and we turned that that field off we're like we're not even yeah. gonna put that in there that's straight through that's the shredder scary. Yeah. So, um, no, that's all good. <laughs> yeah. So, we... so, yeah, you're you're printing the prototypes off. You got the engineering. Uh, roughly, how long did that stage take? Like, do you know? Um, man, I've got no idea. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't put a time on that blur. now. Yeah, it's all a it's all a distant memory that I'd prefer to stay as <laughs> distant. Um, I tell you something really, really cool that we did do during that phase. Uh, once we got sort of further through and we 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 printed these components, um, we had a customer, we have a customer, Peter Shakes, an extremely extremely talented jeweler from Wellington, and you know he, we were we were you know um, going back and forth and you know as as far as um you know selling product and you know selling him mm. stuff and doing stuff, and um, I don't even know how we got onto it, but. I must have just been talking to him. He will probably remember. And um, he said, oh, I can make you those bits. I can cast you those bits. Oh, um, okay. So you've got more, like, sort of the the proper weight and a bit more of a, a better yep. feel about it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, he cast us, um, like, bolt heads out of brass. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, nice. making the molds. Um, printing the molds and and all that, and um, casting the parts out of brass. So we've I've actually still got them. I've got bolt heads and barrel extensions cast out of brass. So you know you get a, a and that gave us another really um, tactile yeah go at what it is that we were trying to create. Um, so that and was a future cool. line and a future line of jewelry by the sounds of it as well. Yeah, that's it's modern. It's very modern. modern. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that was wicked, man. So, like, we did all sorts of cool stuff. You know, we, we yep. really, the, the whole experience, I'm not, I shouldn't be too dramatic about the um, challenging aspects of it. it. It was an amazing experience. Um, so then we started. Oh, no, but, but, but anyone who's been involved with the, the fabrication or manufacturing will understand there, yeah, there's a thrill of bringing this product because it's, it's something you're creating. It's a creative that people don't necessarily get it. Everyone goes, Oh, I'm not a creative person, but I'm an engineer and I make these products. It's like, well, I don't, I don't see a lot of a difference between that or someone who writes music in some ways. It's still something inside of you that you're bringing out into whatever process it is. So it's a, it's a creative process, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's challenges along the way, but 
that becomes part of the fun as long as you frame it that way because it's fun getting over those challenges and seeing that progression. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm a I'm a real firm believer of pain plus reflection equals yeah. progress. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's the thing. That's, if you're seeing that's progress that's as well, you can see the point. It's when you're banging your head against. Was there a point where you felt like you're banging your head against a wall at any point, or did you did it always seem? Yeah, absolutely. And, and how Multiple. did you get past, we're going back to the business talking about, how did you get past that point? Because that's, like, if you can see progress or improvement, you've, you you can keep on going. But when you're like, okay, this is actually, that, that day or that week or that time passes where there hasn't been that resolution mm. or you haven't overcome that challenge, then what did you do? Yeah, I mean, that that... I can, you know, speak to that quite well. And, and I promise we'll get back to guns at yeah, the end of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, long story, long story short, it's bloody tough. Mm. Um, there's a, there's, I can, I, I sort of touched on this last time actually. I can cope with it, in my opinion, pretty damn well because I'm so big picture focused and big picture orientated. Um, looking out here, working here, looking way out here, going, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to be like. Awesome, cool, exciting. Just get get this done, man. Just mm. you know, and then and then other parts, other times when I'm, you know, finding it really challenging or, you know, just frustrated or whatever. It's it's um, it came down to um, you've been doing this a long time, and you've overcome a great many challenges excuse my language here bite the fuck in and get it done you yeah. know and, and that and there was some really you know, really had to give myself a good um a good stern talking to at times you know because it was really tough man Re- really really tough um but yeah in the in the end we we got it we got it down to yeah. I, I think the thing is as well is if you're banging your head against something as well, but you can think of that bigger picture, then at some point you also go, well, I'm doing this, but if I want to get over there, I could also do that and still get there. I don't have to, I can look at an alternative way to get there because the point is the end result. The point is not necessarily this this little detail that may not work. Let's see if we can twist that a little bit and then we're back onto our path for it. Hmm. But if you get lost in that minutia, I suppose that's where people can get into that that lock. Yeah, and I speak when when I when I'm talking to um, people that I work with in business. Some of the stuff that I I harp on, and guys watching this that I've worked with will um, probably start blocking their ears. They would have heard it this time uh, so many times. But if you look at the the six, I think that uh, it may it's got lots of different names, but the six basic human needs. There's six things, and every everyone has three of those that prioritize yeah. how they work. So you've got love and connection, um, uh, progress. Um, um, geez, this is embarrassing. There's six food, of them. food and shelter. Are we going the hierarchy of needs? The, yeah, the, it's, or... yeah, it's it's like that sort of yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, contribution, um, yeah. significance. Um, so there, there, there's there's six of these things. So if you once you understand and you you, you do 
Google it. Don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> once you see this list of six things, if you go, well, that word appeals to me, that word appeals to me, and that word appeals to me, have yep. them in the top of your mind at all time, and then it, at all times, and then when it comes to prioritizing your day, it's really it makes it makes things a lot smoother. So I might be looking at these these times back then, and okay, I've got this really big challenge that I'm fighting here. I'm going to go okay. So that's that's sitting in uh, that's aligned with one of the six basic human needs that doesn't motivate me, doesn't give me energy. Yep. So I'm going to put that as the second thing that I'm going to attack for the day. The first thing that I'm going to attack for the day is one of these first three that motivate, motivates me, jacks me up. So I'm going to mm. do this job, whatever it might be. I'm going to get all fired up. I'm going to complete that task. And then I'm going to throw some of my this gained energy at this challenge. you know. And then the task after that is going to be something else that motivates me and that's going to jack me back up. you know. Yeah. So it's important to understand how you work when you're going through challenging times so that you can structure your day to best look after yourself and so that your staff who you're ultimately responsible for and your stakeholders and your family get the best version of you. Mm. That's my lecture. <laughs> that's right. The last bit you covered off the follow-up question I had with it anyway, so that's perfect. All righty. Mm. Action. So you're, you're at that point where you're – is there more steps between there or you're getting to the point where you've got yourself a working, we'll call it a prototype or, uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, no, no, you know, you just sort of rinse and repeat, pick the next part, yeah. so on, so on, um, acquire the tooling, build the jigging. You can't go down to your local Bunnings and go, give me the stuff to make guns. Yeah. They don't sell them tools. So a lot of the, a lot of it we've, you know, we if, if anyone uses that line down at a Bunnings, please record it because I'd be intrigued to see how that works out for you at the moment. But yeah, especially if they say, "Oh, check aisle 13 while I call the police." Yeah, yeah. I'll be. I'm just going to call my manager and ask him. If you just stay here. Um, Could be a commercial you, opportunity they're missing. You never know. Um, at at that point, had you put consideration for the stock as well, or was it was it the action and the barreled action first? Like, I'm sure there were considerations, but how far down the path were you in regards to stock design with this? How integrated was it with the? Not particularly, not particularly. Yeah. It wasn't something that we considered a huge amount. We had a few options from um, you know multiple different stock manufacturers, imported, domestic produced, so on and so on and so on. And in the end, we sort of just, and you know, grabbed a, a decent stock. Uh, once we had a working prototype, yeah, what we what we thought was going to be a working prototype, um, and then we grabbed a stock, um, chucked it in the mill, wrote a bit of a program, and let it all out, sellotape the thing together, ready for range time, yeah, um, and that that's how we did it. She was, she, she, it wasn't a pretty looking bit of gear, but good enough for. Um, some destructive testing and um, inadvertently some range work afterwards. We did some gnarly, gnarly destructive testing years back. I, I mean, um, <laughs> like, you know, stand clear, piece of string around the trigger, you know, yeah. middle of nowhere with um, 308 charges that we, we believe were somewhere close to 90,000 PSI at the chamber. <laughs> Every, the gun all braced up and, um, you know, you think, okay, this thing ain't going nowhere. We're going to shoot into this um, bank. Everything's sandbagged up, you know, hiding around a corner. Pull the 
this is I shouldn't even be discussing it. Um, pull the string and then you you, you, you see, all had your high you had your high vis vests on. I'm sure that yeah, you would have hard been hat. cones cones were out. Yep. Yeah, all appropriate <laughs> measures were taken. That's fine. Yeah, and we literally see the rifle disappear <laughs> past us. <laughs> That's how much horsepower we were sticking in this thing. It was uh, really quite remarkable, but. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, definitely not exactly what we had mentally prepared sure. to see, yeah. but um, really cool experience. Um, and all good, surprisingly good. Uh, but anyway, um, so, yeah, we, we get through all, all that, and then, yeah, it was just a matter of getting it on the range. And the iteration of the hybrid that's produced today versus what we shot back then from a distance, they look remarkably similar. It's only mm. when you get up, when you get when, if you were to get one side by side, that you'd notice all the subtle changes and all of the product evolution. The simple, you know, we've simplified bits and pieces. We've removed certain um, assembly aspects. We've increased quality here. We've reduced labour here. You know, little little bits and pieces. So, um. For example, the initial barrel clamp system was a two-screw um, with a torque wrench. Now it's a three. Um, and we did quite a bit of work on engineering alignment theory when you when you assemble two components and you have X times diameter as the minimum threshold to maintain alignment, 1.5 times diameter and things like that. And then when it came to the clamp, the spacing of the screws to make sure that you had 1.5 or more than 1.5 times D and all that sort of nerdy stuff. Sure. So we did a lot of work there, to you know, which which is all return to zero related work. Um, we we machined up little tiny little aluminium grommets to go through the side of the stock and anodize them black, little quality things. Um, we used to bed every gun. Now we manufacture a um, aluminium mini chassis that's okay. made and precision matched to the hybrid receiver and we inlet inlet that into the stock um, yep. which is a we figure ooh, we might be giving away a bit of the game here but if you were to you've got a, a, a gun with an interchangeable barrel the next thing is where's the interchangeable stock mm. or how, how do I put this into a chassis or something yep. something Yep. So the thought is if you've got a, a, a gun that's bedded together and you've got this, you know, that bedding compound is um, brittle and it can be damaged quite easily, that, you know, it's not designed that you take your action in and out of the stock 100 times. Yeah. Um, so we were concerned around longevity if we were to develop a, a chassis for the hybrid. So then, you know, the, the mini chassis came about um, partly to deal with um, future-proofing the design. Mm. Um, oh man, he, heaps and heaps of things, heaps and heaps of things. We changed the screws, we changed bolt release. Just yeah, we, we we're constantly evolving it, constantly evolving it. Um, and that that the evolution led to the Project X. So we had a bit of demand, consumer demand. Like, look, I, I think that rifle is wicked. It's exactly what I need, but um, and I really want it. Um, can you build me one of those tikas that you build? <laughs> I'm like, you know, like what? 
It's just like, yeah, it's so cool, but like, it's just a bit too complicated for me. I don't, I just want one caliber. Um, I'm going to go down that path. So for a long time, we offered the hybrid and we offered the um, Tika, what we call the Tika Retro, you know, full carbon, bolt fluted, da 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 da. And then when COVID started to sink its teeth in, the price of everything keeps going up and up and up. And it got to the point where we're like, you know, we can, we could, we could seriously look at producing a variant of the hybrid that would be cost competitive mm. with the Tika. So we had a good look at it, and we we're like, man, it's dangerously close. As far as where the project, where which is now called the Project X, would fit in the market in regards to the pricing of the hybrid. I mean, regarding the pricing of the Tika Retro. So they're dangerously yep. close in price. But then when you look at the Project X, you've still got the advanced primary extraction feature that the hybrid got. You've got the integral Picatinny rail. You've got the integral recoil lug. So it's so it's the same sort of money, but so much more feature-rich than what the Tika Retro gun. So, um, yeah, which, which well, is, the Tikas are still a great action. And amazingly, America finally seems to be catching up on that fact. Yeah, yeah. But then the the hybrid, the guys have handled those and stuff. There's another. You're into a custom. Oh, I don't know what the correct term. It come a custom, semi custom action, whatever you want to call it. A, a, a premium action, which is a different different league again. Mm. So, mm. but yeah. So we we looked at doing this, and then we were like, well, what? How can we? How can we sort of if we're going to go fixed, um, fixed barrel gun? How can we capitalize on this design change even more? And then we said, well, it would ring true and be wise to make it closer, um, a lot closer to the likes of a Remington 700 footprint. So we have more stock options, just the same theory as the trigger. Yeah. Try and match the footprint as best as possible. So then we can chuck it into your KRG chassis or MDT chassis or, or whatever they might be. So then we started to we chopped and changed, you know, quite a bit, especially up the front end where the, the barrel clamp mm. system that had, that was all removed and, and changed. But yeah, we were able to able to um, keep the that full length sort of two inch long um, barrel extension and and that one inch long tenon thread. So we've got a huge amount of um, support um, barrel tenon support. And the first one we did, we built a prototype gun, which was a long action steel barrel, heavy steel barrel, 300 PRC with a big suppressor on it, sitting in a KRG Bravo. Okay. Yep. And I'm like, you know, like all these things, we we give them to Ian and just say, hey, you know, evaluate, you know, he's product evaluation, evaluate this thing, take it to the range, factory ammunition only. Um, what can it do? And um, I got, you know, I spoke to him a bit about it and he's like, man, it goes good. It goes real good, really accurate. And I'm like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. We'll do a bit more with it and da, 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 da. And um, sort of time's passing and um, and he's like, yeah, yep, yep, yep. No, she goes good. She goes good. And I'm sort of like, what's going on here, you know? And then um, <laughs> I'm like, are we done? Are we, are we here? And he's just like, this thing is a laser. <laughs> He's just out smashing stuff with it, burning through ammo. So he was shooting the um, 225 ELDM, Hornady ELDM yep. load 
through it and it, it's just like tiny like sub half moa groups with this factory ammunition um we were shooting a kyl rack know your limits rack out at um 600 meters and this the gong on the left is four inches four inch mm. gong at 600 meters just smashing a boom, boom, just blowing it off its chains um just you couldn't miss it it was unbelievably accurate um so really really happy with the interface between the project x receiver and the krg chassis how they their yep. their v-block system inside their chassis is relatively similar in geometry to the mini chassis and the hybrids okay yeah so the marriage was just cock on um very very happy um and then yeah so for us to to then mate a project x receiver into a krg chassis it's literally we just um lengthen one cut and increase the diameter of another cut and a little bit of work um, in the bolt handle area and and we're in so we're calling it like a 90 percent yeah but okay. um, uh, yeah I, I was gonna ask when you said it's it's most of the way there so it's a little bit of machining and that's probably the kit. You'll probably find there are some things that will drop almost in and other ones you just need to do a bit of work with, which yeah. was with the, there are a few, um, am I thinking it's some of the triggers, some of the triggers out there are a similar thing. They're like, it's pretty much going to fit into any Remington design, but you might just need to mill a little bit away somewhere just to, for a yeah. little breathing room. Cause we, yeah, we're not going to make them as skinny as the actual Remington on this read for these reasons. So yeah. Okay, cool. cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, it's not like we're selling barreled actions and expecting guys to yep. put it into a stock themselves. So, um, for us, it's yeah, well, just, that's it's, that's true. You do actually have KRG sitting there anyway, so it's not like you. Yeah, yeah. you're going to generally go if you're going to chassis, it's going to go into a KRG. That kind of makes sense there. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah, so it's it's opened up a whole a whole new sort of shooting avenue one of our guys that we shoot with a lot and we look after um anthony collie from the bay incredibly incredibly um ta talented and um, dedicated um shooter both you know the long range stuff the prs stuff he is hmm. he's into it um you know i used to you know, I, I, I've done okay over the years in the occasional shooting competition, but he just beats the shit out of me without any issues. Now it's really embarrassing, but um, he's 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 now like uh, voodoo twenty two trainer. Take take the stock off my Project X. I can put the stock on that and mm. just swap it. You know, swap it between each gun. So it's it's sort of it's got its whole own modular life that you can give to it. Same thing, you can do a, a carbon stock on it and a whiskey three, fully adjustable, yep. like like the one you know you just yep. uh, wrote about. Well written, by the way. Thank you. Um so yeah, so that 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 that's where we're at with that. It's it's growing really good. We released it and then lockdown, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um it's it's yeah, been a bit, but, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i won't go I, I won't go there but so that was a little bit of a shame you know we've got um it's we, just a good excuse for a re-release mate that's that's the post-covid re-release 
Yeah, and and you know yeah. we could develop an entire or, or, or start our entire marketing campaign journey for mm-hmm. it. But the guns are selling themselves really quite successfully. For example, we had a uh, one of our clients. We'll say overseas, and going for overseas. Yep, sure. Yep, they were overseas, and they they just this is this is only this is like two two weeks ago maybe or something like that. They said, "Oh, here's our um, here's our hybrid latest hybrid order," hmm. and um, we're like, "Yeah, but yeah, that's all mint," and we send them through you know deposit invoices and all that good stuff, and then you know next thing you know they're just like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa." pump the brakes what is this what is this thing yeah um <laughs> and i'm like project x man you guys don't know about this yeah it's been <laughs> you know and they're like right cancel that order reissue this one all the hybrids i want this that whiskey three carbon you know so it's just like so i'm kind of just like you know, how many more, how much more marketing campaign do we need to do? Because you've got guys looking at the hybrid and inadvertently they're stumbling into it and then making a judgment call based on which system suits them anyway. So we're not, we're not too emotional about it. It's, it's working pretty, pretty damn well from a marketing perspective as it is. I mean, we, we need to be a little bit conscious as to how you know how many guns we're selling we don't want this massive backlog you know yeah well that, that's the that's all it's lovely to have all those orders sitting in the system but if your back orders get to the point where people start getting touchy about it it's you know you're right it's a balancing it's it's uh, people have done it in the past where they've just ended up with like years and years of back orders and it becomes vaporware people start talking about this vaporware mm. And it's like no, you get them into the hands, and it'll, they'll just keep on coming. It'll just, it'll just keep on coming. You were, you were saying some people were, however, and it'll this will happen more. But we're seeing the Project X, and then ending up going for the hybrid anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's funny, eh? Because again, it's it takes a while for them to realize how the hybrid benefits fully benefits their application. Yeah, because when we're we're talking to people about, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking domestic, domestic market. Yeah, yeah. You know, when we're talking directly to our consumers, we're talking about a gun. We're like, we're we're trying to harmonise with this person. You tell me your vision for your for what it is you're trying to achieve, and I will offer you the best solution i'm not going to twist your arm and just hammer you into buying the most expensive thing that we produce Hmm. but if you inadvertently end up going there then you know i'm sure you can justify to yourself you know find ourselves there that's fine anyway yeah (laughs) yeah and and because it is it's it's like I, i i hate it's like, oh, I want to buy a new, I want to buy, I'm thinking about building a custom rifle. Man, you should buy the hybrid. Yeah. It's like, you know, you don't want to do the hard, you don't, I just want to, we're not forcing it on you. You know, we want to offer the well, thing that's uh, perfect for your application. Yeah, and now with the Project X, you have the the different, not the flavor, but almost a different philosophy where people sort of want that one 
barreled action, for lack of a better term, but do want to maybe change their stocks around for different purposes rather than it necessarily being focused around switching different calibers mm. for it. And I, I think I've talked to you, I've sort of, I find myself a little bit more in that camp of, it's not necessarily caliber. A lot of it will, for me, will become down to overall weight. I just want a heavier gun, say, for competition and a lighter gun for it. Um, so then that notion of the the Project X that you drop into a lighter weight um, stock or something for hunting duties, but then put it into heavier. I mean, you're never going to have anything as light as a light light, you know, although separate question separate question maybe later on about carbon barrels for competition it's a it's a different thing that's been changing a bit um but yeah regardless now it can be just a bit of a different philosophy but I, I still think for a guy who's wanting a dedicated hunting rig and occasionally wanting to to compete with it and maybe doesn't want to go full-on chassis route yeah it's pretty hard to go past that hybrid option and i can see why once I started talking with you, so understanding some of the features in the Project X, and then went, well, I can have all of that and swap the barrels over, and I'm less worried about having it in a KRG, the, the carbon fiber stock, which is a fantastic stock anyway. I, I can see how that could be a pathway. And if people aren't that pathway, then now you've got the Project X. So it's you don't need to guide them. It's just a case of figuring out which is your pathway, which is the way you're thinking, and, and it, they'll just find their own their own kind of home for it, basically. Yeah, I mean, in the the hybrid has a, you know, from from a if you just went, I, I'm just a hunter, I'm just a hunter. That's all I want yep. for. I just want a hunting gun. It's like, yep, fine, you know. And, and ultimately, you you make the you make the decision. Here, here are the options. This is this is our recommendation. You make the decision. But we try and lay out all possible scenarios. So you get you get guys who will travel from way up north to way down south. And they want to go. They want to do like a two-week trip, based out of Arrowtown, Queenstown, in and out of the hills, here, there, everywhere. You know, shooting anything and everything. There is nothing better than taking your hybrid box, which is like you know this big, yeah, you know, tiny case, and it's the equivalent of two long-range precision rifles in one little case. We took when we when we first started attending Shot Show. With the hybrid, we took um, our, we had guns over there, but we took a demo gun as well, two years in a row. So two years in a row, traveling through um, six flights per trip, not once did anybody say, hey, man, you need to put that gun through such and such. Right. No, yeah. and like we just, we just, you know, walked through. No one, you know, I mean, we're, it came to the point where we're like, hey, this is actually a gun. Where do I need to go for this? Yeah, we, like, better, we better declare something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's incredibly convenient. And, you know, you can have your 300 WSM and, and shoot reds. And then, you know, you've got a, um, a few days where you just sort of, um, you know, on the, on, on the farm and just bung your um, two to three barrel in and just go yep. wholesale smashing rabbits, you know. So that, for, for guys who, are, who make big hunting trips out of their holidays um it's massively versatile purely from a hunting perspective well and then you've got the opportunity where you're going to go to a field shoot or something like that or shoot some gongs or do a bit of steel shooting you can put in a, a 6.5 of some flavor or something like that mm. um you know and it, it, it's i think it's important for guys to we i think we talked about it no sorry i was talking to, talking to um chris way about it day before last that 
people need to i i always ask people when they're building something like what are you going to use it for and they give you this big list of things it's like okay well now can you tell me what percentage are you going to use it for because yeah. if you actually think you're going to be using it honestly 90 percent of the time on a range or at a competition and maybe you want to go hunt with it occasionally to justify the purchase so that's one thing but if you're actually realistically going to be hunting with it 90 percent of the time but you might want to go with your mates to the occasional comp once a year because you've you enjoy going but you're not you know then that's that's a different path and it's also important to just kind of clarify what your end use is and be honest to yourself about it and i think for a lot of guys doing that yeah that hybrid becomes that option because you've got yeah both ends for your hunting side and you can just put a uh we'll call it a competition caliber in there as well you know and then you get the situation where where there's this massive internal argument it's like no 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 i'm not i'm not going to get into competition shooting i'm not i'm a hunter through and through so i want one gun i want the project x i want it in this caliber i want to shoot tar and that is me but i i could i could do a competition (laughs) yeah Yeah. so i'm gonna do this (laughs) you know it might be fun yeah, yeah. Well, it reminds me of when I'm doing the license, and guys always ask me, you know, do I do I need a big safe? Can I get away? Can I get away off a rack, or can I do this? And I'm always like, look, it, we always start thinking we'll just buy a gun, but trust me when I say that you won't. I always thought I'd just have a rifle for hunting because I was just going to get it in for hunting, and but it's like, but it won't. So assume that you're going to need a bit more space. But maybe I could also say, unless, of course, you plan on getting a hybrid, in which case you can just get a smaller safe because you're only going to need it for that and, and you won't need to have as much storage space. So maybe that's a justification. Buy a smaller safe and buy a hybrid. It's easier to hide the rifle quantity from your wife. That's another really good, <laughs> like, we hear all the time. Like, I can just stick <laughs> barrels, just stack them up in a corner, like yeah. open the door and the barrels are hidden. No one cares about that. <laughs> And they just got one gun. Um, yeah. Oh, dear. It's life hacks now. We're getting into all life hacks. <laughs> that is not the intention of the hybrid design. But <laughs> Should have put a disclaimer at the front, eh? Ladies, don't let your wife, guys, don't let your wife watch this show. There's going to be, this is not what, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wear your headphones quietly in the corner. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Project X. I mean, I, I think that's... Is it is it is it feasible to wedge a switch bell into the Remington footprint, or is it just something that physically is going to be impossible? It's the the material is just not there. Yeah, you know, it's it's there are concepts, as in concepts for a second iteration hybrid wherein that may be able to occur but it's um we're talking way like 10-year plan yeah yeah type stuff and, and i can see there's some physical there's always going to be yeah it's not you're not going to have a a straight drop in remington footprint that's a switch there's going to have to be some work somewhere it's which it's that's logical that's i understand that so. yeah the way that I see it doing, I mean, the way that I sort of see it going, obviously you're talking a cylindrical action with no projection on the underside, so it needs to match that Remington 700 footprint, like you say. Mm. So the only way to do it, well, one way of doing it that is sort of rolling around in my head would be that the barrel extension 
has a um, mechanism on the inside between the, the barrel tenon and the barrel extension on the inside, wherein when you slide it into the receiver and it locates on its top dead center locating lug, you, you twist it and there's an expanding, a ratcheting expanding mandrel in there. So that's yep. what blows out and, 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 and takes up that clearance in the receiver. But, you know, therein lies a huge amount of challenges, <laughs> you know, and how do you manage, how do you, um, the torque setting on it alone? Yeah. Not to mention yeah. the complexity of the design. How do you get it to release? You know, how do you get it out? <laughs> yeah. If it's got a ratchet yeah. and click, click, click up, then yeah, you got it. You got to get it out. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that would kind of be the only way that I see it going. But with all of that complexity with the internal ratchet system, you're getting small on usable diameter yeah. above your chamber. So um, there may be caliber limitations and bits and pieces like that. I mean, I think it would be so cool, man. Like you grab a barrel, done. You know, it takes quick detached barrels or interchangeable barrels to the next level. But, um, man, crazy. Stuff. Oh, but but that's what keeps. I imagine partly it's that what it's those ideas kicking around in your head that kind of keep you going and going. All right, where's you know uh, to have your design in your head, but at the same time going. Oh, but that's a ten year plan. Is a pretty mighty thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. Many many a uh, many a goal to conquer before I think we need to start getting too serious about gen. Well, yeah, generation whatever gen hybrid or whatever it might be. Yeah. So the other question I have to ask, you're left-handed. Right. So we're just going to finish up now. How do we turn this off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I tell you, um, the thing is, like, we get, we get a lot of people saying left-handed hybrid, left-handed Project X, left-handed. Um, I'm left-handed. I shoot right-handed, uh, right-handed hybrid. Um, but there is a... There's a big demand, but then you've, we've, we've also got a so, – so it seems like a good idea. But then we go, what's the conversion rate? Yeah. You know, if we've got 50 people saying, man, if you like, – and that's what like, all everyone says. If you, if you made left-handed hybrid, I'll buy one tomorrow. Righto, so we build 50 left-handed hybrids for our 50 potentials. How many of those guns are we actually mm. going to sell? Because that – that development cost, you know, that we've, we've got to cover that somewhere along the lines and from somewhere. Um, it's, it's strange. We have never, ever once been asked for a left-handed variant from any of our export clients. Hmm. Only, it's only our, um, our domestic consumers that have asked, but the demand is, is quite high. So, well, I, look, I, 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 I keep on asking because I know I can wind you up with a, a very simple question, but I'm also aware of the, um, yeah, the, the, the commercial realities because people yeah. might go, oh, 50 guns is, oh, that's quite a good, it, it is, but it's, you don't just put the bolt on the opposite side. It's, there's a fair bit of tooling and setup and everything that's involved. Yeah. And, and while you say that, you know, everyone's a left-handed hybrid as well and, but but at the same time, for a lot of it, we've we've had this discussion. I can shoot right-handed guns quite happily. Where I want a left-handed gun is almost a niche of a niche of my left-handedness is for those oddball barricade shooting and stuff like that. So that's even actually realistically probably a smaller number again that are like who need it for those purposes. And it it's a it's a 
it's a numbers game, which is which is understandable as well. Yeah, so. and um, I I tell you, so we have our monthly senior leadership teams to so our top four. I, I spoke a bit about this last time. Hmm. Our top four senior members of staff, and um, the senior leadership team notes go out tomorrow so they go out a week before so everyone can familiarize themselves with what's been discussed so we don't shag around and they're just like go you know going and explaining everything and i'll tell you that left-handed guns is on the list <laughs> so it's never made it onto the senior leadership team notes before. there you go so yep. it is a start yeah <laughs> I mean, I'm dancing around this topic right now. <laughs> Nothing is consequential or set in stone. In it, 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 but it, there needs to, you know, there, there, there is a conversation to be had about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, but when we look at, um, you know, everything we do and all of the, um, all the development and, and all of our, um, you know, costs and we look at our profit and loss and our financial statements, which we monitor closely like a good business should, hmm. Um you have your your net profit percentage. Most businesses operate within that, you know, sort of that three to seven um, percent mark. Um, a really clued up, really wealthy operating businesses will get as high as ten percent um, net profit percentage. Um, and I'll tell you right now, if we're operating around that sort of ten percent figure. <laughs> Yeah, we'd make 22 conversion <laughs> kits and left-handed guns and I'd be swimming in CNC machines and bat mattress yeah. full of cash. Um, but the reality is that no matter how kick-ass you can make a business look, it's, things are not easy right now. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a challenging time to be in business. It's a challenging time for the uh, – it's a challenging time for small business owners in general. Mm. It's a challenging time for the trade. Um, so where people should be in times like this, investing heavily in innovation and development and evolutionary product and all that sort of stuff, it is definitely not easy. Definitely yeah. not easy to do so. But yeah. it's on the list. <laughs> so we just, we just need everyone out to go out and buy those right-handed project X's and the hybrids and everything and just bump those numbers up so we can get you up so we can get our lefties on that, the, uh, on the way as well. That's it. That, that is go. it. This is my big pitch. Can all the right-handed people support us lefties, please? <laughs> <laughs> all um, action. And I tell you what, when we do it, because like when I was young, um, I shot left-handed guns, left-handed bolt throw yep. guns. And, um, the discrimination was appalling. A hundred dollars more than a right-handed gun. I've never been so insulted in my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're scraping every dollar you can to buy something out of a magazine, um, out of a hunt fish catalog, and you go in there. The left-handed version's another a hundred dollars. Yeah, like, mind-blowing stuff. Um, so I've always said, if I'm going to produce a left-handed gun, I don't care. It's going to be a hundred dollars cheaper. Which, in the grand scheme of the cost of a hybrid or something like that, or fifty dollars cheaper, it doesn't. It, or twenty dollars, yeah. it makes no difference. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it. The price point 
I'll pay it myself. I'll pay the difference myself. <laughs> I'm going to make it that little bit cheaper just to get back at the industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love your work. For fun. Just for yeah. fun. Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. All good. So, I mean, have we covered or have we not covered anything off on the hybrids or the Project Xs? Um, I mean, I think we've gotten pretty dangerous. Um, I think, you know, people are interested that they know where to go to get more information. Yeah. Um, we're pretty damn accessible. Yeah. Um, I don't need to start dropping Facebook profiles and websites and stuff like that if people want. They can just more. search your name. It's pretty easy. So, yeah. Yep. And I, I like I say, it's one for within the in the in the shooting and hunting industry. It is Dan Hardy and Hardy Rifles are a household name. It's, it's, it's mm. good to know. Mm. Um, no, that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's been a great chat because it's been a great combination of the, the, the product, the technical side and wrapping some just good business knowledge around it, man. So, uh, yeah, I think it's another, another great session. Yeah, me too. So I've enjoyed it. Is the Project X, it, it's up? People can go get them now? I'm sorry, I should have actually looked at your website to like do this thing called research for prior to the interview, <laughs> but I just talked to you. I mean, I, people, I, I talk to people like, well, I don't always do big amounts of research. I just contact them and go, I'm just going to have a chat to you directly. So, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it's it's available. We're, we're building guns um, every day. You know, Project X's are moving through the press, as it, as it were. Um, mm. Not that we're spitting one out per day. It's nothing crazy. Um, but they're 100% available. Um, I actually think off the top of my head, and it may be on the website, but in the last couple of days, we actually finished one for stock. Like a oh. in-stock, on-the-shelf, ready-to-rock-and-roll, finished gun. Could be wrong, Could you know. <laughs> but there's, there's usually we, – we try and have like – Eight, five to eight kick-ass guns ready to go for those for that person who just needs to have something exciting right yep. there and then. Um, and I have a feeling that there is one Project X that may have um, snuck its way onto the rack. So they're available. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Dan. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, well, no, people don't need to email us to correct about the, the uh, specific gravity of aluminium. We confirmed that mid, uh, mid chat. So we've got, we that got it good. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, bro. All right, man. Cool, mate. Till next time. All right, mate. Cheers. <laughs>